Welcome to the Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy and Meditation Podcast. In this episode, we answer our students' questions and share information about yoga therapy and meditation with the intention of creating a new paradigm in wellness. Today's episode is a recording taken directly from a live Q&A session with Breathing Deeply founder Brant Pasalakwa and students of our Yoga Therapy Foundations program. How are the doshas and koshas developed in children versus the chakras? So doshas are doshas are descriptions. They're like amalgamations of different aspects. So yes, like totally. Um, I think probably why you're asking is something like this in terms of doshas. Um, what would imbalances look like versus not? That might is that part of your what you're thinking about? Like doshas aren't a thing, right? Like pitta isn't a thing. It's a it's a group of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but you wouldn't say like say if a two year old has a temper tantrum that they're pitta imbalanced, right? Because like, they're two. <laughs> um, so in children, there's this like uh, sort of given of like a lot of movement. Um, so I guess I never really thought about it this way, but I, I guess, you know, technically they're kind of always out of balance. Um, but that's not to say there's anything wrong with that you know, because it's in flux. So you have like a lot more, I mean, and then you have like, this is true in the physical way too, but then you have like physical sort of attributes. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is that you would look for imbalances based on what is sort of typical for a kid of a certain age. So like growth is a really good place, right? Like, you know, if somebody was gaining <laughs> uh, 20% of their body weight every year as an adult, right? Clearly they would have a imbalance, probably a kapha imbalance, but a kid of course doesn't. So it's sort of like that. Well, because unlike chakras, I guess, <laughs> which is, which aren't really, um, let's just say for argument, chakras are a thing that you have. Um, then doshas are more like descriptions of of a bunch of different things together. So it's not that's really I guess what I'm trying to say is that's not exactly the right question. It's it's not it's not a good analogy. It's more like what am I seeing in this person's physical, energetic, and mental makeup? You know. Okay. So you do see instances where. So the answer is yes, like, yes, kids have doshas, right? Like kids have, we could look at them through that lens. And then if you if you were like, well, this, this child has an imbalanced pitta dosha, that would be because they had a disease state or they would have um, like, I guess what you call mental traits that led you to believe like um, that pitta was like highly out of balance. So someone's asking us on the forums, but like cancer is like a, a pitta imbalance. So, you know, a kid with cancer, right, has has a fundamental pitta imbalance. Koshas are always the same in a way. 
a way to look at what makes a person a person. And it's not like kids aren't born that way. So kids have like a spiritual center, kids have a conscious and unconscious mind. I mean, I guess newborns, you could argue it's a little more complicated, but you know, once they've been around for a minute um, and they have an energetic body and a physical body, right? So when you look at someone through the kosha, so that same kid with a pitta imbalance, you might look at their koshas and say, okay, well, there's, there's a lot going on in these particular koshas. Just because you brought it up, the chakras, like that kind of thinking is like people develop over time. And I guess if you're if you're choosing to look at, let's say, people or the world through that lens, you would um, you would see that there's kind of hopefully a progression up the chakras, <laughs> not just for children, but through somebody's lifetime. And then you have problems when um, you have like a samskara or a karmic thing that like impedes that. So an example of that would be, um, you know, having sort of like some sort of baseline fear, you know, either because of some trauma you've experienced or uh, from a yogic point of view, you were born with those seeds. So there would be like a process to work with that in a, in a, from a chakra perspective, so you could kind of move along, <laughs> right, with consciousness up, up the chakras. So that, you might think about that that way. You know, it's funny, it's really easy to, um, I think the most interesting thing when you think about this with children is it's easy to kind of like, even in an Ayurvedic way, pathologize children. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's, you know, with the physical stuff, it's easier because there are diseases and you can identify them. But when you get into like kind of the mental, physical realm, um, they're so tied to their caregivers, you know, that it it would be, it's hard to make the call when it becomes their own. I mean, in a way it's always their own, but in a way it's not really. Um, and the other interesting thing is how because of the nature of kapha in children, um, how quickly everything can change. So like your parents, you know, you can change your parenting and in two weeks, right? Have a, like a totally different outcome, <laughs> which is not how it works with adults. So it's, it's interesting, you know, that way it's like, is this my kid? Is this their stuff? Is this something inherent to them? Or is it just environment? not just, but is it environment? And, you know, is it not really as rooted in their system as I, as I thought it was? Are doshas conditioned in children by their parents? Well, you create, um, that's a really interesting question because basically, because they're so influenced by you, you create, um, you know, scenarios where, your conditioning then affects their doshas. So, and then that beca becomes uh, patterning mm -hmm. in the child. So then it becomes like, well, now I've patterned them like pitta, pitta dominant or, or pitta imbalance. Like I did that, you know? Um, <laughs> you know, you, I mean, later you can look back and be like, oh, I, maybe I did that. I mean, if you're, if you're reflective enough to do that. But right. yes, so it becomes, you know, it's not like a lot of times people say, well, kids are just born 
this way. Um, but, you know, from our perspective, like you might be born with like a certain like doshic dominance, you know, based on genetics, right? And from a yoga point of view, it's really past lives. It's, it's really like how, what you came in with. Um, so, but now that we know about like uh, ancestral trauma and that there's actually changes genetically, mm -hmm. we just know that that exists. And that's like really fascinating if you're a yoga person because you're like, oh, because <laughs> I was always been like, is that true? I mean, I don't know. I'm not like huge on like personally and you don't have to agree with this, but um, I'm a huge yoga person, but I've never fully bought into like the lifetimes thing. I'm too Western. It's like hard for me, you know, to go there. I go in and out of it. But from that perspective, um, it's really useful, you know, because then you're like, oh, okay. So that does match up with, with what we're seeing in terms of genetic changes. So maybe there's like a different kind of truth that's similar there. So your kid's definitely coming in with stuff. And if you had like three kids, they'd come in just like genetically, right? With slightly different, <laughs> slightly different um, manifestations of those genes. So whether the Hindu yoga people are right or science is right or both of them, which is probably the most likely case always, everything's right. Um, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. Like, so they're coming in, right? So you're a parent and then you have a lot of influence. And what I like about science right now when looking at that stuff is like how much influence we have over the expression of that um, by environment, by things we eat, breathe and think about um, eventually. And everybody catches up with us, they'll realize that like doing things like meditating changes genetic expression, et cetera. So it's like, yeah, it's both, you know, you've you've got this kid who has their own thing and now you have all this influence on how that's expressed. And you do have influence on whether they end up like pitta balanced generally, or, you know, if they're pitta dominant, you have like a lot of influence there. Cause you know, it's like, how is that all gonna get expressed in their system? Are cancer patients who have just finished chemotherapy good candidates for yoga therapy? Yeah, no, that's a really, perfect place to be working as a yoga okay. therapist. Um, mainly because, you know, if you look at it kosher wise, like you're working across all of them, mm -hmm. um, possibly, or at least could think about all of them, right? So she's got physical stuff. I'm sure she's got some fatigue. She's got um, emotional things, probably some trauma from all, all the things that have happened to her, how that expressed is different than in everyone. So all those things, right? You've got... Yeah. You've got lots of places you can work. The main thing is, is when working with her, figuring out where you should focus, you know, where she has care, where she feels like she's supported and can take care of herself. Like, um, you know, example of that would be like, is, does she need asana, you know, or is that yeah. sort of, is she walking three miles a day? And I don't know, playing badminton, mm -hmm. who knows what she's doing, right? So <laughs> everyone's different. The sort of, Yoga Nidra present the course is more, um, it's almost more like Ramana Maharshi based, like you're dying, you know, you're not really dying, but you know, your body and then you let go of the body and then you get into your next layer and then you let go of that layer next layer, let go of that later. And what that, what that does, I think 
more, more betterer <laughs> is, um, is help somebody get in touch with all their koshas. And that's very balancing to the system. So a lot of times when you've been through a big event, you know, like having cancer and chemo, you kind of lock down in certain aspects of yourself. You look, you know, you might want to look at, you want to know how fatigued she is, you know, because asana might be really useful done properly, like moving and breathing might be like really great and sort of a semi-restorative event for her getting that prana kind of moving or like the joint freeing series or something really you know simple like that might feel really good for her uh yoga nidra right after could be really nice because it's like this big restorative thing mm -hmm. um i've worked with a lot of people who are kind of struggling with their mental states so i've actually used a lot of chanting she may okay. or may not be into that but but that's been good uh, or japa, something like like sort of cognitively easy like that. So you're sort of in the meditation zone, but more in the manamaya kosha. That can be really balancing for some. It's all about cancer work. Is all about contraindications. It's actually way less about indications, but really in the end, I mean, if you want to sum it up, it's like gentle things that don't hurt someone or send them into like trauma triggering states. Like that's that's the goal, you know. Um, but that's a perfect place to work because sometimes you get through your treatments. I mean, there is a lot of places that offer support, but sometimes there isn't like depending on the community you're in mm -hmm. you're kind of, they're like, okay, you're done for now. <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. So there's this really difficult thing mentally where you're, yeah. you're like, well, we'll test you in six months or three months or two years or whatever it is. And we'll let you know if you have cancer and you have to do horrible things again. Yeah. So that requires training for the brain to be more present, right? And that yeah. is not easy. I often orient in that direction slowly, but like, okay, how can I help this person, mm. you know, mitigate that stress? And also like, you know, over a three month period, you can really change your brain in terms of like how often it stays in the present. You can go from like, you know, it always looks from the outside, you know, 90% not in the present to like 60% not in the present, mm -hmm. which is a huge shift, you know? How can I help people who are struggling with survivor's guilt? Look, as a yoga person, one of the things you learn about and hopefully consider a little bit is this concept of surrender. And another way to kind of look at that is like being part of nature. And another way to look at that is nothing's really up to you, which can be very scary. But actually in this situation, it's pretty obvious right? When you get really sick and people die and, you know, if you're, or if you're in a plane crash, same kind of thing, right? It's like some people died, some didn't, clearly not up to me. Um, so it can be like a moment where you have the capacity to actually look at that. Um, and, you know, one way you could go is to try to develop some, some practices of gratitude and you don't have to go right for the thing. So, not necessary gratitude for being alive, just smaller gratitudes um, or uh, a practice where, you know, more like a meta meditation kind of situation where you're, you know, you're, you're actually cultivating gratitude by sending love to things, it, they, they're attached. So those kinds of practices can be really helpful. Um, The, the search for answers on that is part of the problem. 
So anything you can do to get her more in the present. So the other tools you have that are like physical and breath can be like adjuncts to that in terms of getting her to a place where she could do that practice. So those are just some thoughts off the top of my head, but um, definitely don't answer the question, which I'm sure you didn't. <laughs> Why am I here? But um, it's pretty typical. Um, but I see it as a yoga person as not having the foundations of spiritual practice that everything is indeed okay on a certain level. Um, so that's, that's what kind of feeds my thinking when I'm working with somebody. I'm like, okay, I've got somebody who probably didn't come into this process feeling or with a deeper understanding that things are as they should be even when we don't like them because that's like a big spiritual leap. Um, so I like to sort of sprinkle and like really lightly bob and weave towards that. And so those are some practices I use. And then I also use just present centered things. And when someone's talking about it, you let them talk because that's also like expressing yourself in real time above something you're feeling in real time is also present, which is why like therapy is always a good idea, right? Because you're just sort of being in the present, hopefully. <laughs> for 50 minutes or whatever as somebody like really rooted in in the kind of yoga piece you know for me like when these things happen it's like when you say that I mean I know what would come out of my mouth maybe not but I might say oh don't worry you're not special and here's why um and that wouldn't be coming out of like my opinion or it's like I share the teachings you know, and what helps me, and this just might guide you down your own sort of study road, what helps me is knowing the teachings and having like sort of used the teachings in my own life. Um, so I share them. I might not say it that way, depending on the person, but um, I sort of share the teachings in the spirit of like, well, this is what's helped me, you know, with like really complicated situations, um, which is different than just so it's clear, it, it would be different than like saying something more religious, like, you know, God loves you or something, which, you know, well, you just shouldn't say that as a yoga therapist, but like, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it has a similarity, but for me, it's like, well, I, you know, these teachings have really helped me. And let me describe these teachings, you know, that we're all in the same boat. You know, and here's why we, we come in, like we're talking about with kids, we come in with a certain sort of set of things we have to work through. And either, from a yoga point of view, we either work through them now or we work through them later when we get born again. You don't have to believe that, but like, that's the idea. But living by that's useful because it creates a scenario where, where we might choose to like experience our life to the fullest, which is basically dealing with all the things that come our way. And some are great or feel great and some feel terrible. Um, but those teachings have helped me because, you know, somebody else, and I may or may not say this, I'm just gonna say this now, just like food for thought, don't like quote me, please. I'm just kind of talking, I'm not prepared for <laughs> um, but But 
you know, somebody else might have already worked through that or been in a completely different place in their life. And so it's like your life and your experiences are yours and their life and their experiences are theirs. And it's not that there's a logic to it, but there is like a acknowledgement, right? That we're all gonna have a very different experience in this life. Um, but at the core, we all have the ability to find our own kind of way and contentment, you know, in our lives. So that's like basically what yoga says. Um, so it's not that it will directly help right away, but like some sort of like point of view if she's talking to you might help. And the other sort of aspect there in teaching, you know, I guess that you could add is that nothing's really static, you know, and that's why you right. need to sit with it because it will change. I don't know what it'll change into, but it yeah. won't be exactly the same. I mean, I've been really sick and I, I, I remember, you know, during the recovery from it, like you have all sorts of like feeling states and, and experiences that you, you just like never expect it because you've never been there before, you know? So you literally have no reference point for what's happening to you, you know? Um, like I had some kind of survivor's euphoria, like intense, and it was actually during 9-11 and I was in New York. So the whole thing was like super bizarre. Um, so that was weird. I didn't see that coming, you know, but I think, I think a lot of people have those experiences where it's just so different, you know, um, if you haven't been ill or in an accident or something like big, like that, it, it does change your perspective. So greatly, at least temporarily. Um, and I don't think people are really prepared for that being sort of like a different person in their brain. It's like, who am I right now? Thanks for listening to the Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy and Meditation podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a positive review and sharing it with friends. For more information about our yoga therapy and meditation trainings and programs, visit breathingdeeply.com.